0: Welcome to the Highway Church podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website highway.com.au. You know, the other day Byron and I were asked to do a little radio interview and uh, we've done that before. It was aired last weekend on the Christian Radio and you know, it's, it's a strange thing when you begin to talk about yourself because, one, you're talking about yourself. But it's a funny thing because you've got to revisit your past a little bit. You've got to go back... And there's a lot in your past that, yes, it's in the memory, but it's no longer yours. It doesn't belong to you anymore. And so, you know, we've lived that life, and so we can talk about that, because at the end of the day, it was us that lived it, and have lived through that, and are living in what it is today. And so our interviewer, who is a man and his family that come here, this is their church, but he asked us the obvious questions as you do when you want your audience to find out about the people that are, that are there doing the radio interview. And it was like, you know, where did you meet? How did you meet? How did it all come together? How did you end up back in Queensland? You know, how did, how did you come through those tough years? What, what was that like for you? And so it was obvious questions like that. And it's amazing how it brings a little bit of mental exhaustion on you because you're digging back into a place that's actually gone. And, but you're having to sort of remember little details and things along that. And the most important question was, you know, how different is your life today now that God's in it opposed to when God was not in your life? Well, that's an easy one to answer because, you know, the difference is just amazing. The difference is amazing from life without Jesus and life with Jesus. But there are so many things that the Lord has done. And when you look back into your rear view mirror like that, it's bizarre because you are speaking about a life that's behind you. You're speaking about a life that actually no longer belongs to you. Yes, it's your testimony, but it actually no longer belongs to you. Um, The life that I'm referring to was a life without mobile phones. It was a life without air conditioning in our cars. Anyone of my age remembers those days. Two of us, three of us, four of us. A life where people sent things like telegrams cards and letters and things like emails, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter did not exist. It was a life that was different. And so life changes from one generation to another generation and you realise that the generation that you've come out of is vastly different to the generation that you're in today And what we're in today is going to look different to this generation that's up the road a little bit. And so generations change, things change from one generation to another, and it's no wonder that the Bible tells us to tell your children about what God has done. Because God knew that with every passing generation, things would start to be different. He can see the beginning from the end. And so, you know, God does not change. The generations and what comes into that generation does change, but God does not. And so we tell our children, we tell this next generation that's here about what God has done. Let me tell you what Egypt was like. He brought me out of Egypt. He brought me out of slavery. He brought me out of captivity. He brought me out of a mess. He brought me out of brokenness. And I don't belong there anymore. I can tell you that I was there, but I don't belong there anymore because Jesus came into my life and set us free and set our feet upon a very different road than the one that we were trying to figure out back then. And as we go through what I want to touch on tonight, the Gospels, it talks about how in our generation and in every generation, things can get lost. Things can get lost. And tonight I want to go into Luke chapter 15 in just a little minute. We won't go there yet. But these chapters in Luke speak about the lost sheep, the lost coin. And the one that I want to touch on tonight is the lost son. And when we read this, when you read about these, you know, these stories here in the Gospels, people have a tendency to get lost. We can get lost on our way home. We can. I mean, it's like, I thought I was headed, no, I've taken a wrong turn. And we can get lost on our way home to heaven even. Even the church can get lost on its way home to heaven, read the book pilgrim's progress and you realize how even a believer can take detours and end up in places that we were never meant to go to and in the luke chapter 15 it speaks about and i'm going to pick out a few words out of this because it speaks about the son that finds himself in a distant land he finds himself in a distant land and i can relate and identify with that because even though i've not been a prodigal once i gave my life to jesus it was a it was a lifetime deal as far as i was concerned but there were lost years there was a loss of time there was a loss of i didn't know where i fit where i belong what i'm meant to do with my life and there is a distant place when we're away from god we're in a distant land we're in a place we don't belong No matter how hard you try, as Byron said this morning, to merge the two lands together, to merge the two kingdoms together, it will never, ever, ever work. There is one kingdom, there are two kingdoms. There's a kingdom that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ and there's a kingdom that belongs to the enemy. And no matter what foot we've got here and here, you cannot coexist and merge them together. It's like light and dark. It's like oil and water. The two will not mix. And it's time that we began to pray and to begin to declare that God's going to do something in lives even tonight as we pray. See, talking about your history is fascinating. Byron used to have a guy with some connect group we used to attend, uh, seems like 100 years ago now. This guy was fascinated because he'd grown up in a Christian home. Grown up in a Christian home, being in church all of his life, and he was fascinated by Byron's testimony because this man, Tom, did not have a testimony. He'd never done the things that Byron had done. He'd never been to the places that Byron had been to, and he was fascinated with Byron's testimony. And we said, we're fascinated with your testimony. You've got the best one of all. You've got the greatest testimony of all. You've had a chance to walk with Jesus every single day of your life. You are a blessed person. Our history is exactly that. It's history. It's in the past. It's in the rear view view mirror of your life. And I'm so glad that my past does not belong to me anymore. It was given over to Jesus I can tell you what it was like, but I no longer wear the stain or the shame or the smell or the taint or the regrets or the mess or the trauma or the stress or the horrible things that belong to that. I can tell you what happened, but I no longer wear it. And that's the difference that Jesus makes. You see, the first 23 years of our lives were broken. They were messy, they were broken. And I could, I could give you a whole thing about 23 years of my life and it would be a pretty big story right there. I could write a book on it and I did to some degree But I would rather focus on the 42, nearly 43 years of my life that I've lived underneath the blessing of God, that I've lived under the health of God, that I've lived under the Spirit of the Lord, that no no longer to those 23 years and all that was brought into my life do I have to carry into these 43 years because Jesus makes the difference. Jesus makes the difference. We've had nearly 43 years where we've got to do things we wouldn't have had in that 23-year bracket. We've got to do things in this nearly 43 years of our lives of walking with Jesus that would just, I have just been Unbelievable. Like you talk about Ephesians 3.20, that God is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or think or imagine. If you want to live in that place, walk with Jesus with your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole mind and everything in your life and watch and see what the Lord does with you. We've got to walk through doors that we never opened up on our own. We never opened up a business store. I mean, Byron talks about his days where, you know, Uncle, Uncle Roy was a butcher and Dad was a butcher and this one was a butcher and that one was a butcher. That was the only, the only place that he had to go to because he didn't know anything else. But once you give your life to Jesus, you don't know what the Lord's going to do with that life. You just don't know. We had no understanding of what it meant that day when we bowed our knee and we said, Jesus, if you're there, here we are. We had no idea that the day would come when a new job opportunity would open up for him. And he would start to work with a guy that had his own business. He had no idea that that little bit of training and opportunity would open up the door for him to become a state manager in that industry. He had no idea that that was you know, preparation for the day when he would run his own business, pioneer his own business. He had no idea that that would be the training ground for pioneering things in India. He had no idea that that would be the training and the preparation ground for pioneering a church, 1995 in Ormo. He had no idea that as I sat outside houses and said, that's our house. I know that's where we've got to live. And he said, and we can't go there. It's too expensive. And I said, I'm not looking to the bank of this earth. I'm looking to the bank of my God for he is my provider and he'll make a way. That was before highway existed. That was before an invitation came. And yet I knew that we had to move down the road here and buy that house that was outside of our economic reach. But when the spirit of God leads you, you don't know what he'll do with your life. You don't know. So why would I, why would I get stuck in 23 years of absolute horrible mess when I can tell you what God does with 43 years of your life when you live underneath the blessing of God. See, I don't want to live in a distant land. I don't want to be away from the Father's best. I don't want to be away from the Father's provision. And it says here in Luke 15, 14, that after, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. This is the son that's away from the father that is now in need because he's left the father's house, he's left the father's covering, he's left the father's blessing, he's gone off to do his own thing and he's run out of resources because there's a famine in the land. And I know we can be talking about the prodigal right here and it fits but there are times that even God's people step away from the Father's absolute best and end up in a distant land and we run out of everything. I got, I've just run out. I got nothing else. And we discover that even as we walk with God that the rain falls upon the just and the unjust. We've discovered that a famine can come and affect absolutely everybody. The church, the believer and the non-believer. We found out in 2019 that this little thing called, -called so-called COVID-19, decided to visit the globe. The famine comes, it can affect the whole world finances can get lost, people can get lost, momentum and confidence and courage can get lost, businesses may not survive, confidence was lost. But here's the thing, you can stay living in a mentality of a famine, you can stay living in that place where I reinforce the famine, you can stay living in that place where I've got loss, I've got brokenness, I've broken down, I don't know where to go from here, my back's against the wall, or you can just change the way you see it and say, I choose to live underneath the covering and the blessing of Almighty God. There might be a famine in the land, but I'm not going to live in a famine. There's a massive difference. There's a difference whether there's a famine in the land or whether the famine gets in you. That's the big difference. That's the big difference. And here it talks about how in Luke 15:17 <clears throat> it says here that this son comes to his senses. And I want to focus on this for just a little minute. It says that when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am the son. Here I am the son, I'm starving to death. I will set out and I'll go back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. This moment of coming to his senses is huge. This moment of coming to his senses is like this moment, I've got to remember who I am. I've got to remember who I am. I've got to remember that I am a son. I've got to remember that I've got a father. I've got to remember that I've got a father who's got a house and it's all there waiting for me. I've got to remember. And once you remember who you are, then why would you ever choose to live without his favour and his blessing ever again for one second in your life? And if we stay with that in us, then nothing will change because the famine gets in us. And this moment where the son, it's it's like he almost sees it it's like he comes to his senses and he says, even my father's servants have got food, and I'm the son, and I'm starving to death. And I think as I focus on this, and I've been kind of meditating around the scripture now probably for about a week and a half, and I really think that this is where the Spirit of God has had us this year, that he He has brought the church to a place of remembering who we are, of remembering who we are, that remembering that we aren't just some organisation, some little social club that meets together on a Sunday morning and a few meetings throughout the week, but we are the church of Jesus Christ on the earth for a reason, for a purpose, and that the Word of the Lord in us, and it's time that we begin to step into purpose. We've got to remember who we are. I don't have to be without food. We don't have to be without blessing. We don't have to be without provision. We don't have to live outside of the Father's best. Famines do come. Famines come to families, famines come economically, famines come to us relationally, famines come to churches, famines come to our, to our nation, famines come. But as I said to you, it's not whether the famine comes, because the famine will come and the famine will go. It's about whether we live in a state of famine or whether we live in a very different place. And I believe what the Spirit of God has been doing this year has been kind of like waking us up. You've been in a slumber. You've been in a sleep. You've been away from the Father's best. You've been outside in a distant land. And we've got to remember who we are. And that's the first step. That is the very first step to what took place with the Son and what needs to take place in the church of Jesus Christ today is that we've got to remember who we are. He came to his senses. We're a son. We're a daughter. We're his church. We are the household of faith. Faith still works whether there's a famine or not. Byron said it so powerfully this morning that whether that diagnosis over him this week just gone was this or whether it was that, it made no difference because his faith in God remained the same. God is still who he is. I am still a son of Jesus Christ. It makes no difference. The Father has what we need. See, what did Isaac do when there was a famine in the land? He began to dig. He began to dig those wells so that water will flow. And I believe that's exactly what we've been doing this year. We may not have put that kind of label on it, but as we've met for a prayer meeting, we've been digging so that fresh water would flow again. As we begin to prophesy into the future of families and people right across this land, we're beginning to dig again. As we begin to pray and call out the things of the Spirit, we're beginning to dig again. We're calling in the prodigal sons and daughters. We're calling in many salvations. We're calling in a move of God's Spirit. We are digging again so that fresh water would flow. As we begin to pray. See, faith is released. This is the thing we miss. Faith is released by our words. It is released by what we say. It is faith. It's one thing having faith and say, I've got faith. But if you don't do anything with that faith, it sits in a dormant state. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't accomplish anything. But faith is released by our words. And we have begun to speak again. We've begun to speak. We have begun to speak and said, it is time to build. We are going to collect, we are going to gather, we're going to be unified around a common mission to build the church and make pathways into our communities for the gospel to go. Over every one of those hampers up the back, don't just see that as a box with a plastic bit of cellophane around it? Over every box over there, there is someone that that's going into their hands. We begin to speak the salvation of the Lord. We begin to speak that children are coming back to God. We begin to speak that faith is Entering the the hands that that's going to. This is what the church does. It begins to speak. Dan was telling me the other day that when politicians, I'm going to take more notice now, when they roll up their sleeves, is that right? It means I'm doing business. I felt like wearing a long shirt tonight and rolling it up and say, we're doing business. We are doing business. We're telling the devil to get off, get out. No access here. Access is denied. This is God's ground, God's family, God's territory in the name of Jesus. I feel like it's time, even if you don't have long sleeves today, to roll up your sleeves and let's not be passive about the things that matter the most. Things that matter the most. It's time to roll up our sleeves and do business and dig and dig and dig in prayer, dig and dig and dig with our prophecy, dig and dig. We've got to remember who we are. We've been in a distant land. We've been caught up in famines and this and that. And, you know, the boat's taken us here and the situation's taken us there and I've been lost over there and I've been away from the Father's best and he comes to his senses And I felt this year the Holy Ghost got a hold of me in a few areas and said, it's time to come to your senses in this and see it as it is. You've got to begin to speak again. Luke 15, 20 says, this is the son. He gets up, he goes to the father. And while while he was a long way off, while he was a long way off, the father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And for all of those that are not huggers in the room, this will not be a nice picture for you. If you're just like, don't hug me. But the beautiful thing I see here is that while the son was a long way off. He's a long way off. He's a long way off. But the father is looking. The father is watching. His eyes are on the horizon. His eyes are looking out beyond this here. His eyes are looking way past the busyness of life around him, what's going on in his own immediate household, what's happening in the neighbourhood. The father's eyes are looking a long way off and when the son is even a long way out, the father sees him church, it is time that we start looking again, that we start seeing again, that we start preparing ourselves, that even when you're a long way off, I'm getting ready to run to you, to embrace my promise, to embrace the future to take a hold of that which my God has said, that is mine, that's been in a distant land, but it's coming out of the distant land and it's coming into today. It's time that we start looking again. Abraham was told to lift up his eyes and look out and see what was he counting? He was counting children. He was counting children and grandchildren and future and all the rest. It wasn't just numbers. It was people that would be important into his life. While he was a long way off, church, we've got to start looking again. You've got to start looking again for your promise. You've got to start looking again for your breakthrough. You've got to start looking again for the miracles of God. You've got to start looking again for the families that have been a long way off. Don't stop looking. Don't stop looking. In the book of Acts, it says that this is is my Scripture. You can have it too if you like, but this one's mine. It says that when the jailer got saved, the entire household got saved. I like that. I see generations with that. I don't just see one or two. I see an entire generation. It's time that we started looking and saying, I declare, I prophesy, I call in that every single family member will no longer be comfortable and happy in a distant land, but they'll come to their senses. They'll start to move towards the Father's house. And even when they're a long way off, I can see it. And I'm starting to run in their direction. I'm starting to embrace that promise right now in Jesus' Name. I tell you, a famine came. And the famine wanted to take out that which was so important. The famine came with an agenda to steal, to kill and to destroy. But that which the enemy has meant for evil, God says, I'm about to turn it for good. I'm going to turn it into blessing. I'm going to turn it into testimony. I'm going to turn it into grace. I'm gonna t- it will now be part of your story. Don't get caught up in a distant land of the enemy. We don't belong there. Don't let the famine get on the inside of you and stir up the gift of God that's there. He was a long way off. Last thought is this. In Luke 15, 31, it says this, my son, just that beautiful relationship, my son. The father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. It was there all the time. When he was in a distant land, squandering, doing all the wrong things, going to all the wrong places, when he was starving to death, when he'd run out of food, when he'd run out of ideas, and he was in a distant land Everything he needed was already in the Father's house. It was just waiting for him to come. It was waiting for him to turn and to come back. It was there all along. You know, quietly, just in a very quiet, quiet inquiring moment in my own life in the last few weeks. It Wasn't like I went into a big prayer thing or anything like that, but it was just this secret, quiet inquiring of the Lord. And something had come to an abrupt stop in my life. And I said, Lord, how come that stopped? And the Lord said to me immediately, he said, that didn't stop. He said, you did. You stopped. That didn't stop. When we stop believing in faith, when we stop looking, when we stop expecting, when we stop uh, stirring up the gift of God that's within us, when we stop praying, when we stop speaking God's Word, that stops, that stops. And I think God is speaking to His church. He wants us engaged in this. He wants us part of this. Let me encourage you, maybe this is a night where you've got to start again. Maybe this is a night if your harvest has run out, if your harvest You're at an all time empty, I'll tell you the remedy. You gotta sow again, you gotta sow again. If you've run out of provision, if you've run out of harvest, the principle of the kingdom of God is what you sow, you shall reap. You read in the book of Genesis, the cyclic pattern of the kingdom of God. It goes in cycles of sowing and of reaping. And so if your harvest has run low, It's time to sow seed again for the harvest that is ahead. You see, the Father's house didn't go anywhere. The Father's provision did not go anywhere. He's been looking for His church. He's been looking for His church. And His own church at times can get caught up in a distant land that we were never meant to go to. We were never meant to go to a distant land. We were meant to stay underneath the Father's blessing, head towards home and enjoy every benefit that belongs to the Father's house. You are always with me and everything I have is yours. It's time to move towards the Father. And it's time for us, the church, to speak what we want to come to pass. And tonight, as the team lead us in this song, if you'd stand, (coughs) we're going to worship. We've got a few minutes to spare. And I tell you, it's time that we rolled up our sleeves and did business. It's time that we rolled up our sleeves and began to speak and began to declare and began to call sons and daughters. And maybe you want to come to the altar. Maybe you want to stand at the altar for someone that is just upon your heart right now. In fact, in truth, that should be all of us because every single one of us should be. We should be standing in the gap for somebody. We Maybe we've got to be at the altar for ourselves. Maybe it's us that's been in the distant land and that's why we've been hard of hearing, hard of responding. And as the team lead us in worship, I'm going to ask you to respond to this message, yes, but... Ultimately, you respond to the Lord. And we're going to believe for breakthrough because this is the church coming together, standing together, speaking out the things of God in Jesus' name. Thank you, team. Hallelujah. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.